Well, welcome back to the Heartland Leadership Podcast, a podcast all about leadership and the way of Jesus. My name's Clint, and I have two really special guests with me today, Pastors Deontay and Lisa Lavender. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you guys Thank so you much for having, having us. us. For sure. And I had the pleasure of meeting you, Deontay, a couple weeks back now, I think, and you uh, let me know that you're, along with your wife, planting a new church called the Remedy Church in Akron. Yeah. It's starting January 3rd, 2021. And yeah, I'm just really glad to be able to have a conversation with you guys about that. And just to let our audience know a little bit about you, um, can you kind of share some of your background, maybe how you two met and what led you to the daunting task of planting a church during COVID season? My goodness. For sure. Um, Well, uh, once again, like my name is, you know, Deontay and uh, how did we meet? Well, her story is always different, you know. Yeah. You know, I think I got the true story. Okay. Yeah, sure. And, uh, That's but, fine. You know, uh, you know, one day I went to school. I opened up the doors. The light came down from heaven, and then I saw this girl that was like 18 years old with a rockerwear shirt, and no one wears rockerwear anymore. But no back one. then, thank God, it was hot. <laughs> And uh, God said, that's your wife. Um, And, you know, since then, we've been kind of going back and forth. And uh, she decided to marry me. And, uh, you know, I won out, (laughs) you know. So, but, um, yeah, I'm I'm just excited, like I said, to do ministry and to um, really move the pendulum in the Christian community Hmm. um, in Akron, Ohio. So, yeah excited same for me um you Did know a beam of light come down on Deontay I, you or? know i don't recall being in a beam of light i don't ever recall spotlight on my life um okay. at that time but you know hey god shows us things in different ways right uh but uh so that is actually pretty much how we met in college and all of that and just kind of grew up together that's what we always say we, mm. we grew up together we made it 18 years old and that was what 13 years ago um, so yeah, so it's been a journey. But um, as and when far did you get married? How long ago? We got married um, April twelfth, two thousand thirteen. So we are going okay. into our eighth year. Yeah. Um, it'll be eight years in in April, and it's been a blessing. We have two kids, yeah. um, a little boy and a little girl. They're four and five. Awesome. So they're um, yeah, they definitely keep us on our toes, and there's never a dull moment in the lavender household, which I'm grateful for. Um, but yeah. So when you were both in college, was it the plan? Uh, each of you individually, did you go there thinking, I'm going to be in vocational ministry? Or how did that develop? Not, I mean, your, your pastor is yeah, now, you're now yeah. ordained. Did that just happen yesterday? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. So yeah. freshly minted yeah. pastors. Yes. <laughs> What's the journey from not planning on doing that at all in college to now kind of this culminative moment? Uh, well, for me, um, I tell people like this, when I was in high school, I really didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, I was a part of a scholarship program which afforded me the opportunity to go to school for free. Mm. And uh, even going into school, you know, my teachers, my professors, those who were a part of the program would say, what do you want to do? And I'm like, I don't really know. So I saw a teacher one day and he was like, ah, you're pretty good at reading. You're pretty good at writing. Like, ah, just go to school and be a teacher. You know, um, African-American males in teaching, like they do well and, and we need to see more of you in, the, hmm. in that field. So I went to school. Um, I did my best to become a teacher. I'm not going to say the school district, but I taught 12th grade and 9th grade English. And it was the worst experience in the world for me. Um, Of course, I thank every single teacher who's out there because we need you more than ever. And you have to be called to that, just like I feel like you have to be called to ministry. Mm -hmm. And uh, when um, I went through that process, 
Um, I pulled that way. Uh, I took another year in school to like pick up another minor, but God kept on telling me I was a teacher. God kept on telling me I was a teacher and I couldn't figure out what mm. that meant. Um, I was already in church by this time. And uh, at some point in time, it just clicked and I'm like, oh, I'm supposed to pastor. Um, but in our context, that's not something you just outright say. Uh, so you just kind of figure your way around it and, and, and pray that your leader sees the same thing on you. And I praise God that he did. So yeah, say more about that. The um, not not coming out and saying that would it have been inappropriate to like approach someone in leadership and I feel called to be a pastor. Well, I don't want to say it'll be inappropriate, but there is so much that comes along with it. And I think we're in a society now, especially in the Christian community, where if you fail at something, then you become a pastor. Yeah. Like, you know, it's oh. like, oh, I wanted to do this, but now I'm going to be a pastor because it didn't work out. Hmm. Or because I can, you know, make an analogy or I can read someone else's sermon or if I can see someone else speak, then it becomes this, this, this job that people feel like they can do just on a whim yeah. and similar to what I just said about teaching you have to be called in that area so not so much a negative thing to say you're going to be you want to become a pastor it's you really have to be prayerful about is that really what God is calling yeah, you to sure. and if so what realm of pastoring do you need to be in are you an executive pastor are you a campus pastor are you a lead pastor mm -hmm. you know where are you on that sphere so not so much a negative thing but you just want to have clarity before you go out and say this is what I'm going to do or what I'm called to do. Yeah, that's really yeah. good. Lisa, did you have like a call into ministry and feel that as well? So, yeah, like I um, I grew up in church. I grew up in church. I am third generation pastor. Mm. Um, so that's why I always tell people like, yeah, this is probably was destined and meant to be. But I never um, I never considered myself. Uh, I wasn't sure if pastoring was what I wanted to do. I remember at 16 years old, I wanted to do ministry for the rest of my life. Um, what that meant, I wow, don't. How could you know such a thing? How could you know such a thing, right? Wow. So I was at a youth conference. Um, I grew up under the Assemblies of God denominations. I was at a youth conference, and they, the pastor was up there, and he was talking about who thinks they're called, and I just felt like this like pulling in my heart and the thought like the thoughts of being in the church and being at the church and helping people I love people I love being mm. around people I love listening to people I went to school to get um, a, uh, a degree in psychology to help and things like that um, so I was like I think this is me and I went up there and I got prayer and the man is talking to everybody and he looked at me and he stopped he said yeah God's got something for you and he kept you know just praying and from that moment on I knew I said I, I didn't know if it would be um, a vocation as well, but I just mm. knew like I wanted to do something where I was in ministry. Um, so in college, I, you know, I went to school like every, any other teenager. I went to school and figured out who I was and where I wanted to be. I got a degree in psychology, um, but I was always active in my church. I was always active in ministry. Any ministry you can think of, I probably did something in there. And um, I just knew, and it wasn't until I met my husband, and we kind of like came together with our purpose and our thoughts, and it's like, oh, snap, we're supposed to pastor. Hmm. I believe that we're called to pastor. Was it a pastor of our own church? I, we didn't know maybe at that time, but we knew at some point in time we were called to be pastors. And what does that word mean to you both? What, what is the calling of a pastor? What is that person supposed to be doing? Yeah. Well, I mean, you, I mean, if you want to, you know, talk biblically, you know, I mean, you look in the Bible and we look at the word pastor and it's synonymous with shepherd. Yeah, shepherd. Um, mm -hmm. So you're really doing your best to shepherd God's people and 
keep them in a place where um, they're not only safe, but where they're not harming themselves, where they can get tutelage, where they can continue to live life. Yeah. If we're talking about just a real life in real life scenarios mm -hmm. um, for us, um, pastoring is this thing where it isn't us being perfect. Um, it's really us showing our flaws and showing how God brought us through some things. Mm -hmm. Therefore, we can pull others out of whatever. Like you just in. revealed before that we started that you had eaten a McGriddle. Exactly. Very vulnerable moment. I wasn't <laughs> going to tell anybody that. <laughs> <laughs> That's you know, uh, you know okay. that listen. Way of that that, that McGriddle was like pretty good today. It gave way. me energy. I needed energy. Right. Okay. But um, that's 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 it for us. Um, pastoring yeah. is is that um, being as vulnerable as you can, um, in order so in order for other people to feel like they have the ability to be vulnerable. Because it's not until you're vulnerable Absolutely. and broken before Christ that I really believe that He can change your life. Absolutely, and not only that, there's also this portion of teaching. So there's also there's the shepherding, there's the loving, there's the, you know, walking with the people mm -hmm. and checking on, like I said, not harming themselves or growing in life or growing in purpose and in passion, but also teaching what does the word of God say? What does, you know, how does God, you know, how would God have you to go about your life or how would, you know, this bring God glory or just teaching about the word in general. So this, yes, there's that shepherding walking with, but there's also that teaching aspect as well. So I'd love to ask you guys about this. Um, a large part of our congregation, probably n north of 60% are mm -hmm. like coming from the Catholic Church for whatever reason, okay. disenchanted with that, and now they find themselves at Heartland. And like, to be really honest, it's kind of a newsflash for them like, oh, a woman can be a <laughs> pastor? Like they're coming yeah. from a tradition where like there's the priest yeah. and he gives this vow of celibacy and it's I think almost always male maybe yeah. there's a few offshoots with the female right, priest right, right. I don't know yeah um but that would be pretty new for them and even at Heartland um like Dave and Melody Melody's the wife of Dave our lead mm -hmm. pastor isn't saying like I'm a pastor too yeah. but like as I was researching like kind of the remedy church what you're starting yeah. and kind of the cultural context like it's a big deal, yeah. the title of pastor. And I'd love for you to just kind of explain that to our yeah. audience and kind of what that means to you. Absolutely. So as I said before, I'm third generation, right? So I only know female, I know female pastors. My grandmother um, was my father, my grandfather was lead pastor. And my grandmother was a pastor, Pastor Lillian. Wow. Then my aunt right up under her came and she married a pastor and she's also Pastor Lillian. Um, and then here I am meeting a pastor and I'm Pastor Lisa. Yeah. Um, so I, it's not, some, to me, it's not something new because it's something I grew up seeing. Hmm. Um, it's something I grew up witnessing and what that looks like um, is, is this whole idea and every pastor's wife for the most part first lady pastoral whatever you know their title is is called to lead and help her husband um, but there's certain aspects that they may not take on so I may not be at the board meetings I may not help and give input when it comes to the finances I may not be doing the teaching and the leading but for me that is something because that is a call that God has placed on my life um, to teach and preach I'm also a preacher and a teacher I'm also um, like when my husband goes to meetings we have board meetings I'm in every meeting I understand what's going on we're leading together um, a lot of the times people see him obviously because he is the man and he is like the you know he's gonna be doing probably majority of the preaching so they would probably consider him like the first person that you see or the lead pastor or whatever mm -hmm. like that but we're both lead pastors um, and even when you think biblically like my husband said that where you're not gonna find the word pastor in the Bible that mm -hmm. word didn't come on till yeah. later and obviously that is to shepherd um, and I believe that women 
are able to do that just as well as men. Um, Obviously, we can run through a list of women in the Bible who, you know, led and who helped. Um, My favorite, I always think of Miriam, you know, they always talk about Miriam. They don't, you don't just see Moses, you don't just see Aaron, but you see Moses, Aaron, and Miriam, and they were the people that led the Mm -hmm. nation. Micah talks about it, um, how they were the three forerunners that brought people out. Miriam was the person to lead them into the first type of worship. Um, So there's so many women in the Bible that it shows women have a place, and not only that, but they also have a place in leadership. Um, So for me, it's just walking with my husband, leading with my husband, but also showing other women there's a there's a place for you in leadership and in high leadership. If that is what God has called you to do, don't shy away from that Mm. because you don't see it for us. It just happens to be right now that majority of our women, our leaders right now in main roles happen to be women. And it's not because men aren't qualified or whatever. These are just the women. These are the people that have set forth. And I like to believe it's because they see that they have a pastor who's a woman so that they can walk in their leadership role as well. Do you want to comment on that at all? Or? Uh, that was great. Yeah, that, um, was I mean, that was great. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like I said, for, for us in our situation, this is how I, how I think everybody's situation is different. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is how you you know, how you guys function that really determines the roles within your church Mm -hmm. and even within your marriage. Um, For me, I'm open enough and honest enough to say uh, where I lack, and this is not like just a marriage thing, like where I lack, she's full in. So in areas where I know that I missed a mark, um, she doesn't and then in areas where I know she misses the mark that's when I step in so in order for us when we were sitting sitting down kind of thinking about the remedy church we're like how can we give them the best version of us Mm -hmm. and there was no way that we could separate and be apart and not run this together because that's how we do everything. That's how we run of our, you know, I, I'm one of those people who will be honest with you. I know we like, men should handle the finances and everything should be taken care of by the man. No, I go out there when the paychecks come in, I ask her, I say, hey, how much am I getting this week to go right. get McGriddles? And she lets me know. And then I go from there. Um, it's not, it's not so much is not so chauvinistic that she has no voice. When she walks into the Remedy Church, they say, hello, pastor, what do you need? Um, Because they understand that without her and her input and her spirits and her prayer and her teaching and her preaching, then you wouldn't be able to um, experience the fullness of what the Remedy Church is. No, that's really cool. Mm -hmm. So like you mentioned at the beginning, there's a lot of different ways you can be a pastor and like the different levels or whatever in a hierarchy or um but you guys are launching a new church you're (laughs) out of your minds during during covid COVID. crazy election season who knows what else Uh, there were murder hornets at one point Mm -hmm. and you're starting a new church why jump out because you were already on staff at a Mm -hmm. at a church um and now you're kind of walking out into the unknown a little bit here Tell, tell us about that process and What's going through your mind? Why, why this next step? 
Well, I'll speak about that. I'll speak on that for a moment. So we were originally scheduled to launch um, 2021 in September. Um, this was pre-COVID. There was no sign of, there was nothing. We didn't know anything about COVID. Um, wow. Our assignment was- and it's been accelerated yes, because of COVID. Yes. Oh my goodness. So I'm like, okay, Lord, what are you doing? But our assignment was to, um, we've been a member of our church, our current church for you know over 10 years. And our assignment, our pastor gave us was to be a campus pastor. He's like, I want you guys to be campus managers over in Akron location. He's like, I'm gonna place you guys there and I'm gonna train you guys. My husband was working somewhere else. He came back to the mm. church full time to work in this in this role. And he said, I'm gonna train you guys. I want you guys to sit up under me. He said, though that way in two years, we're gonna launch you guys out. We're gonna birth you guys out. Um, and that was the goal. So the, it, was a, it was 2021, September was our launch date. But little things kept happening, push back here, push back there. Um, and then this whole idea of uh, the building. You wanna talk about the building and how we got the building and um, a little bit about that? Yeah, so like my wife said, we were scheduled to launch, and I think, you know, you've heard my story a few times, Clint, just about, you know, about to launch in a different, like, place in Ohio. Yes. We are supposed to go to Lorraine. That's yes. where we thought we were supposed to go um, due to many factors, but it was like, okay, Lorraine is the place to go. And then one day, uh, my wife and I, when I say it was just this simple, you know, this people simple. may say, like, <laughs> uh, it had to be more difficult than this. No. One day I was at work. Uh, my pastor called. He said, hey, come to my office. Bring your wife. Um, uh -oh. We, yeah, uh oh yeah, yeah. definitely, That's a, that's a uh -oh. definitely don't definitely know. Like, so oh, when I called her, I style. said, don't know what I said yesterday, uh, but uh, this this seems kind of bad uh, <laughs> because it was very dramatic. Like, hello, son. Hello, pastor. Come to my office with your wife. See you soon. Click. Like, there was no other, like, dialogue in the conversation. No kidding. And uh, when we got to the office, we sat down. We were listening to him speak. And he said, I feel like God is telling me to give you Akron. And by give you Akron, give you our Akron location, uh, location building in tow. Mm -hmm. right. <laughs> like building, wow. members, everything that comes in it. And so that's when we were like, oh, wow. And just to talk about how God moves in this type of situation, this is how, you know, I, I truly believe that God will give you the desires of your heart Absolutely. when you're in his will. Absolutely. Um, I think we thwart yeah. that scripture often. When you're in his will and you're trying to do your best to live for him, then when you're in his will, that means you're in his vein. You understand what he wants you to have. I don't want anything that God doesn't want me to have. Yeah. There were nights when we were thinking about going to Lorraine um, and my wife would be laying in the bed crying mm -hmm. because we would have to leave these people in Akron. Mm -hmm. And we had led them for two years. Yeah. We had loved on them. We, we've preached funerals for mothers um, who didn't get the chance to make it. We've had the opportunity to marry individuals. We had the opportunity to be with them through some of their worst times. And we were literally crying even though we were being elevated. Yeah. And, and we just were to just be clear for our audience, mm -hmm. so you were you're the campus managers mm -hmm. of this Akron location. Akron location. Pastor calls you in and says, I, "This location will not be under the umbrella yes. of the of mothership. Church. We're yes. sending you out. This is its own, yes, yep. uh, self-governed little yes. entity." Mm -hmm. okay. Yes, and that's and that's how it went. And so you know, all that being said, I remember when we went home after that day. She's like. This is legitimately what I've been hoping for. She used to say, I wish I can take the Accra location. Yes. She said, I wish pick I could pick up them up and, and just take everybody to Lorraine. Lorraine. I'm like, yeah, don't know if we can provide that many jobs. Right. So, you know what I mean? Like, sure. But now we're in this position where the desires of our heart came yeah. true 
because I feel like we were diligent and in managing. To answer the question about COVID, because you said you're yeah. crazy. It's just a wild time. Like, to that's be a starting wild time. New. Yeah. It's not. It's something I I don't know how I don't know how else to say this other than it's God. Yeah. Like God has spoken clearly to my husband, to our pastor, to me, and to say this is your time. This is your season. And although this is not how we envisioned it, this is not, I mean, we were ordained. Normally it's a huge service, all your friends. We were literally ordained in the presence of four people, which were our parents and the people who sang. And that was all. So it Facebook Live, though? Uh, it yeah. aired. Yeah, it yeah, aired. Yeah, a, it aired. Yes, it aired on YouTube this past yeah. Sunday. <laughs> so, but so nothing, God is just showing us like sometimes nothing is going, not, a lot of things don't happen the way you plan and the way you think. Mm. But that is all the more reason to trust Christ and to know like, God, you are stretching me. You are building my faith. Um, and you know that our heart's desire is to be in your will. So if this is what you want, God. This is what we'll do. So nothing more or le- nothing more than this is what God is telling us to do in this season. How have you really seen God show up in this preparation process? Oh because God. now you're kind of like rebranding the yeah. building and all this stuff. And where have you seen God show up the most? I guess I'll say it like this. Um, every complaint, every issue that we've had thus far, yes. he solved. Every single one. And when I say there is no exaggeration when I say that, when I talk about um, we're pre-recording our services just due to COVID, we want to mm-hmm. make sure that we keep people safe. And we also want to make sure that we represent the kingdom in a way um, where when our church and whoever else logs on, yeah. they feel proud of, about what they see. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We were having issues with trying to figure out who would do that, and a person pops up. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember it's a hard person to find right now. It's it a is. very hard yeah. person it to is. find. Um, I remember I was laying down in the bed and I said, "I wish we had somebody who would, you know, be able to do graphics for our church because I don't really know how to do it. Mm-hmm. Mine suck." Deontay's over here in yeah. Microsoft they, Paint. Like, yeah, like Let's be oh. very clear: they <laughs> don't suck. They're they just don't not suck. great. It's not even that. It's just the timing. It takes me There's time. There's so much other things that so, have to go on. So, like, what they take suck. 20 minutes on, I'll yeah. take two hours yes, on. Yes, that is yeah. true. And we showed up to our training literally the next day. And, and a person walks up and says, I feel like God is calling me to do graphics for ministry. Yeah, not for. And I don't want anything yeah. for it. This is what I do and, and for a full-time oh, job. Wow. And this is what I want to do. Everything that we need, Everything. God showed up. So it's so hard to answer when you say. It's, and actually, it's not hard. It's right. just how long, how much time do you have? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, <laughs> that's really the question. And one of the biggest things for us is worship. Um, yeah. We are worshipers at heart. Like we can, our kids, you just, they're just like, oh, can you play soft music? Can you play worship music? But like we are worshipers at heart. So for us, a major part of our church, a major part of our ministry wanted to, a lot of it to incorporate this whole idea of worship mm. and being free to worship. And God created us to worship. You know what I mean? Yeah. We're called to worship. And so we were so like, okay, God, a lot of our singers who sang, you know, they stayed with the other ministry and certain things like that. Some came and it's like, we need musicians and we don't know we're not musically inclined we don't have a musical background in history none of that so it's like we don't know the notes and the keys and this and that and a young lady that we had just loved her ministry 
decided to come on and sign with us and we were able to hire her oh, wow. and um, musicians just came from left and right singers just joined from other ministries and mm. I mean our worship I said are we ever going to get to the preaching that's yeah. how awesome like God is just continuing to supply every single mm. need so when I say like we're literally just getting up and walking and God is saying okay go this way okay go this way and the trick is if you're gonna pray, obviously you have to trust. Cause sometimes we think we have faith and trust and they're not so not they're not the same thing. They don't mean the same thing. So it's praying and trusting that what God is leading you, that this is what he's gonna have for the ministry and that everything's gonna be taken care of. So it is definitely a faith season, but God is just blowing our minds left and right. Wow. Um, so a big feature of doing ministry in the COVID season, if you will, is trying to navigate just the, these new online spaces. Mm -hmm. A lot of people don't feel comfortable meeting in person and probably yeah. for some good reasons. And so churches are scrambling to try to make sense of online. Do we do Facebook Live or yeah. record things? So how have you guys just approached that whole conundrum of in-person and online and how do we keep this new body together uh, and unified? So we kind of took the model of our mother church, the word church, and my pastor, Dr. Vernon, um, he has this kind of poll that he sent out um, to everyone connected to the word church. And he said, what are you? Are you a right now member? Are you a never again member? Or are you a not yet member? And so he got to this place where he's like, okay, well, all of my right now members, um, since I want to put out a good product for every person who watches, I'm going to still pre-record my services, but I'm going to allow maybe 40, 50 of the right now members to actually come and sit in. Of course, when they come in, we do the temperature checks. And of course, we tell them if you're not feeling well, of course, every mask is up, you know, while we're in worship, but it gives them what they need um, to feel connected, but then also gives the preacher the opportunity to see his people, maybe yeah. not hug them and touch them and kiss them, but you know, it, you do get the opportunity to see them, yeah. but then also because we're pre-recording, it gives um, an opportunity to put a good product out to those who will be watching. Yeah. So we call it kind of like a hybrid thing. Yeah. Like it's like, you know, we are preaching to the camera hmm. and talking to the people who may be uh, sitting in their living rooms, but then, you know, we'll have 50 people who sit before us. So that's kind of how we've done our yeah. leadership trainings. If you go on YouTube and watch our leadership trainings, we have 60 people there, but we still get two, 300 views. So obviously someone had to watch because they yeah. want to feel connected, but those 60, 70 people wanted to be there for a reason. Yeah. Very cool. Uh, so what is, when you go to launch here in a, in just a few weeks, I guess, mm -hmm. um, what's your what's a service going to look like what's the average the remedy church member going to experience yeah so we're going to have um obviously we'll have our praise and worship um and that will be on there you'll be able to see it live i know certain sometimes um you see certain churches they broadcast as maybe just the preaching or just the worship so it will be a full-on um worship service mm. a full-on you know church service so we'll have our worship we'll have our giving portion and then obviously my husband and i will come up we will give a message um you guys tag team the message together no 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 oh, no i was gonna say well, either cool. one of us either my husband or i oh no 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 now there may be some things yeah, we do yeah. later on in life but yeah. for the <laughs> most part it's either one of the two um so we will either one of us will go up and preach 
you know, and then at the end, we'll offer Jesus. We'll offer Jesus. We'll offer souls. Um, most of the congregation is going to be leaders. We will open up a slight RSVP possibly for other people to come in. So we'll mm. offer Jesus on the screen. We'll offer Jesus in person. Um, you know, obviously the goal is always to, you know, get others to come to Christ and salvation. So that's definitely going to be offered. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much, like I said, pretty much like you going into a live service. I know you just mentioned offer Jesus, and maybe that's the answer to this next question, mm -hmm. but what would you say is the main philosophy of ministry that's driving this new project of the Remedy Church? What gets you out of the bed in the morning? Yeah. Why do you do what you do? Like, what's the heartbeat of your new congregation? I, I would say um, transformation. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think a lot of times we focus on um, salvation and then we just stop there. Every church should be focused on salvation. Every church should, you know, say, I want to get as many people as I can saved. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that's always my argument against, you know, those who say, well, Heartland has, you know, 600 seats in there. That's way too many people for one church. Well, it's like, well, I mean, they should keep on adding a seat per service if they're trying to get more people saved, mm -hmm. you know? So it's like, no, right. the, as many people as you can get saved, let's do that. Yeah. But I feel like some churches stop at salvation and then the transformation of their life after they leave those doors, um, it doesn't take place. So what we're focused on at the Remedy Church is three things that we always say. It's we, we love Christ, we love people, but we build community. Yeah. Um, that's the heartbeat of what we do. Uh, when we start our meetings, that's the first thing we say, what do we do And everybody chants? We love Christ, we love people, we build community. And the reason why we want to make sure that we build community is because we've seen this deficit hmm. in the kingdom where we can preach, we can sing, we can do in church, we can serve in church. But that's the same person who leaves out the door and gets drunk and hits their significant other. That's the same person that struggles in their sexuality. That's the same person yeah. that struggles in so many different areas of their life. And it is because, and, and I'll take that mantle on us to say it is because in some way, shape, or form, the pastors, the priests, the person who is before them didn't speak to their existential plight versus just their spiritual growth. But your existential plight, what you do outside of here, will stunt your spiritual growth mm. if you're not being spoken to in a real and relevant way. So transformation for us, get saved. But then from there, how does this benefit you holistically yeah. so that you can be a better parent, business owner, um, so on and so forth? So how do you do that? How do you minister to someone between the Sundays, particularly in a pandemic where people are quarantined, they're locked down? How are you going about that third piece of building community? It's always like the million dollar question for yeah. churches. We can do we can pull off the Sunday thing. Right. Just fine. It's. Mm -hmm. It's really good and, and um, moving and impactful. But then, yeah, how do I reach someone on a Tuesday afternoon? And One, obviously, social media. Um, mm -hmm. I know that's a sucky thing to say. Like, yeah. It's just like, no, uh, yeah, say uh, more it's, about just, that. it's just the truth. Um, I told someone this before. I said, if the, if, if the Apostle Paul had email, do you think he would ever went to Corinth like it's like you know if he had email like why wouldn't he just email this stuff like why like get caught up in jail like you know hurt you know yeah. traded on so on and so forth if you could have just sent an email so I really do believe I and I and I mean this wholeheartedly that if Jesus and everyone else at that time had the opportunity to have social media you would utilize it yeah. so that's something that we're doing uh, but I believe that 
you know, throughout the weeks, um, building community for us in this particular day and age is the Zoom meetings. Yeah. It's the mm. conversations that you have um, via social media. It's pastors actually doing what we've always been told not to do. So it's like uh, in one era, it was the pastor's too important to respond to every email, so just send it to his assistant. But now we're in a, in a day and age where now we're no longer connected physically, so now the pastor can't be too busy to answer an email or a DM or whatever, you know, whatever medium of exchange or communication there is. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, being relevant and being honest about you know where you are, we're out of that space where I believe pastors have to present themselves as perfect. Um, I believe that you are helping people throughout the week when you say, I'm also working on myself. Mm. Because when your leader says they're working on themselves, it gives you this, this latitude and this place to say, well, if they're constantly working, that means I can constantly work and I don't have to pretend like I'm perfect because then I know I have issues. Some person said, my pastor said this the other day, he said, the reason why I feel like I'm well is because I know what's wrong with me. And because I know what's wrong with me, I work on it consistently. And then those who are around me see me working on it consistently and it pushes them throughout the week when we're not doing Bible studies throughout the week and when we're not just doing Sunday service, it pushes them on Thursday to say he's always working or she's always working, so I'm gonna work. And another thing to that, too, another thing that we want to focus on is empowerment, right? So empowering people and um, pushing people to kind of grow in where they are. And with that being said, I think that ministry is a great way to build community within a church um, and even with and even outside because maybe they don't talk to us all the time, but they're ministry leader. And what I mean by empowering is empowering our leaders, um, whoever is running our kids ministry, whoever is running the intercessor team or the prayer team or, you know, the deacons and all that type of stuff, empowering them to then check in on the people in their ministry to keep people accountable to say, Hey, how are you doing? You know, what's going on? How's your marriage? How are your kids? Hey, I remember your son was going to this banquet. How did it go? Um, and that's for me, at least because we come from a large, we come from a mega church ministry helped us to stay in the fold, whether it was meetings, whether it was conversations, whether we did a ministry outing, whether it was just somebody I connected with on a different, on a higher level. And they called me and checked on me and vice versa. So empowering our leaders to then take their ministry and check on their people and build community with that and build relationship. Because at your size, you, you just can't meet with everybody, mm-hmm. both of you, right? So you're relying on so your leaders to, like, shepherd their own mm-hmm. little flocks. So one thing my pastor always told me, he <laughs> said, I'm going to pastor all of my ministers and I'm going to pastor yeah. all of my ministers and deacons. He said, from there when you start branching off to the hundreds or the thousands or whatever, however many people you have, then I have to rely on them who I pray. I put my heart into them in such a way that when they speak to the parishioners of the church who may not serve, but still have issues that they speak the same language that fell from the top. So yes, we're we're trying our best to figure this thing out. Um, Yesterday we sat with all of our ministers and deacons in person. Mm -hmm. You know, we were socially distanced yeah. with right. our masks on and things of that nature so you know let's say this early so it no one was. gets in yes, trouble we did. Uh, <laughs> but um you know we we did that because we understand how important it is to pour into them so that they can continue to keep the culture yeah. of the remedy church moving yeah. so 
So just as we wrap up here, I'd love to get some like leadership advice from you. A lot of the people that uh, watch this are leaders at Heartland and, and other churches. So uh, you have a pretty big time leader as a pastor from where you came from, Dr. Ari Vernon yes. and his wife, Dr. Victory Vernon. Yes. What are some what are some of the highlights of leadership that you've learned from them and that you are going to try to emulate moving forward? Yeah. Well, when it comes to me um, looking at my pa my pastor and my pastor's wife, primarily to my pastor's wife, I loved her boldness. She always walked in what God called her to be and who God called her to be, um, regardless of what role that was or what she was doing, whether she was teaching, preaching, leading the women, um, anything like that. So just appreciating um, who she was, appreciating how she walked in who God called her to be and how she empowered others to do the same. Um, that's a big thing that I believe as a woman and as the pastor's wife and as our first lady, that's a major thing. And even in her going, you know, further in her education, she's a doctor, you know, mm -hmm. she is Dr. Victory Vernon. I saw her, I would be in the car with her sometimes going to location and she's on her computer and we're working on her dissertation and all these books, you know, challenging me to read all these books and to stay well read. So those are certain things that she has um, put into us and the same thing with our pastor, you know, always going before God. My pastor is a man of prayer, you know, always going before God, praying over his congregation and asking God, God, continue to show me what it is that you want for the word church. That's what he always used to say, you know, whatever it is through the word church, you know, cover me, give me discernment, give me wisdom. I feel like that is a major thing when you are leading um, is for God to give you wisdom and to give you discernment. Um, for your congregation and that is something that he always spoke about um, so yeah those are some of the main thing like I said I obviously I've been under right. we've been under them for over <laughs> yeah, a decade right, right. so we can go on and on but when I think about my own ministry and certain things that really impact me it's empowering them to walk in who they are continuing to ask for wisdom and discernment and growing in the knowledge of Christ um, and for me my pastor has a quote that I love he says um, uh, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Yeah. And so that's our philosophy. It's yeah. like, you know, I want you to know that I care about you. Yeah. Mm. Uh, more than anything else in the world. More yeah. than I want you to help me seat and greet people. Yes. More than I need you to preach if I'm on vacation. More than I need you to stand in a parking lot to wave at people as they come in. Yes. Like I care about your soul and the prosperity of that. And then the residual effect that that has on your sphere of influence. How did he show that to you, care for your soul? Um, see, for me, there, we've had the privilege and the opportunity to be within cro close proximity to them because of our you know, status at the church, due to our title, due to our job. And if there's anything that I can tell you is that there was never a moment that he called me, um, rather if it was to chastise me or to praise me, before he did any of that, he said, <clears throat> how's, your, how's your wife? Yeah. How are your kids? Mm -hmm. Are you guys fighting about anything? Do you need any money? Is everything taken care of? Yeah. How can I help you further yourself outside of the word church? Yeah. Then after we had that conversation, however long that was, really then it goes into, okay, listen, this is what I need you to do better. This is where I need you to get better. Hey, 
this is where you absolutely excelled. Yeah. Oh my goodness, that message you preached, it, it was awesome. People got saved. Yeah. But when you were preaching that message, you said this, and I want you to always be theologically correct. So yeah. next time you do this or next time you say that, stay there. It was always first fo focused on my personal life mm. then it was focused on my productivity so it was personal before productivity and then he ended with personal so it was always like this sandwich, sandwich method, you know yeah, where sure. by the time I finished I felt empowered sometimes I felt you know beat up a little bit but then by the end of it it was no you're great and that's why you're here so it's always letting people know how much you care I think that's a good word for not even just staff people at a church, but mm -hmm. how to interact with volunteers or yeah. if you're listening yeah. and you're a leader, even in the workplace. I mean, obviously a lot of people listening are not on staff at a church. So yeah. wherever you are to approach your employees or coworkers, yeah. whoever yeah. in that manner of person first and then yeah. productivity. Yeah. Any final thoughts just as an encouragement to our audience? Um, I just, I'm, I'm grateful to be here. I'm so thankful that you guys allowed us to come and share. Um, my biggest thing is always walking in purpose, walking in mm. purpose, walking in who God has called you to be, um, boldly or boldly and fearlessly, um, and just trusting the process because this has been a process for us where this is, I always tell people, this is, um, the harvest, you know, for us, we have we have been sowing for so many years um, just in ministry and in our personal lives and all that. And God is saying, it's time for you to reap what you've been sowing. And so regardless of how long it takes or, you know, the promises of God are yes and amen. And what God has for you is for you. So if God has given you a promise over your life, receive it and believe it and walk in it um, until it comes to pass. So, yeah. Uh, well, for me, I would just say, you know, with us being these peculiar times, I would say um, stay focused on God. Yeah. Um, I believe that there are so many distractions. Um, there are so many distractions from presidential elections and racial tension and who's sick and who's wearing a mask, who's not wearing a mask. And yeah. we can get to a place where we're so focused on that that we lose focus of God. And I yeah. believe that when you focus on him, um, it gives you the opportunity for him and you, for you and him to, to figure out how you commune and how you communicate and how you guys can go to another level together. And then I believe that if you do that, the residual effect of that is in 2021 or whatever time yeah. you're watching this, um, I believe that he'll bless you abundantly when you get on the path that he wants you to get on. Well, thanks so much, pastors. It's been a real treat having you on. Yes, sure. thank you. And thank you for watching another episode of the Heartland Leadership Podcast. Uh, we're trying to get the YouTube uh, up and running. So if you're listening like in your car while you're working out, be sure to check out the YouTube. This is all on video. You can see my beautiful face and our guests. <laughs> um, and be sure to subscribe below, like, and we'll see you next time. Thanks. Thank all you. All right, God bless you.